Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church. We've got a good one for you guys today. My name is Matt Henderson. My wife and I get to serve here as campus pastors at South End. If we haven't met you, let's uh, catch up after service out in the parking lot or out in the lobby. We'd love to meet you. Um, we have something a little bit different here. We have a teaching team at Freedom House, meaning every week that you come, there will be a different communicator. We have about you know, 14, 16 or so teaching team members within the church. Some are on staff, some are not, that all um, will teach and have the gift of teaching the Word of God. So we... Uh, it's a little bit different, but if you don't like it today, if I totally bomb this, come back next week and somebody will be here. Hopefully, Pastor Troy, and you'll enjoy that one more. But listen, before I get into it, I want a quick shout out, quick plug for our men's ministry. We call Strong here at Freedom House. We have uh, this Friday and Saturday, we have our men's um, retreat to the lodge. Now, if you've been here at any time at Freedom House, you've heard about Strong and the lodge. The lodge is a 42-acre property that we purchased for the men of Freedom House Church. Now we use it for a lot of different things, but its sole purpose, its main purpose is for the men of the church. And we wanted to do three things for you guys. We wanted to change your place, to change your pace, and change your perspective. So we want to get you out of Charlotte. We want to get you out of your household and the to-do list and the stress and the anxiety and the work and the job and the yard mowing the grass, all the responsibilities of your life. We want to get you out of that and we want to slow it down. We're in Marion, North Carolina. We're on country people time. And I don't know if you know this, but country people, they're not in a hurry for anything. So we want to slow it down. And we want to change your perspective. We want to change how you see God. We want God to give you a, a fresh vision, a fresh awakening, a fresh, a refresh your relationship with God. And be able to see who you are in Christ, but also what it means to be a, a strong man. And then we also do cool stuff like shoot guns and light fires and ride ATVs. And almost get in trouble with just about everything. But we haven't gotten in trouble yet. The sheriff was up there the other day, but it wasn't because of anything we did. I guess. Not yet. All right, so we're in a series called Firm Foundation. We came out, of, if you were here last month, we were talking about solid ground. So we're going from solid ground to firm foundation. Solid ground meaning what you build your life on. What am I going to build my life on and my faith on? And now, firm foundation, what am I going to build my life with? It's the foundation stage that's the most important in the building process. In the marketplace, I'm a general contractor. I build residential um, homes here in Charlotte. And so I, I know a little thing or two about foundations and how important it is because I've screwed some up. <laughs> so I want to tell you that the, the foundation stage is the most important in the building process. Because you can, as a homeowner, you can have these beautiful plans with 3D renderings and it's in color and it looks, it's just immaculate and it's Instagram worthy and you can just put it out. But if you bring it to me and I don't put it on a firm foundation, it's going to be all jacked up. And you're not going to be happy and I'm not going to be happy and it's going to be a mess. You know, if you ever watch the, the foundation stage of a building process, I look, sometimes I just catch myself watching these guys. They make it look easy, right? They're, they've got the mud and the mortar, and they're just like got their trial, and they're slapping it on there, and they just like little tap here, little tap there. And in 10 minutes, you look, and they've got this wall, and this corner is perfectly square, 90 degrees, and you look out, and this wall is just straight as an arrow. And they make it look so simple, but what you don't see is a lot of the discipline that they put into getting it straight and getting it level. You see, it's the corner that matters the most. When you're starting a, a house, the surveyor comes out and he'll mark a pin for the corner of your house. And the brick masons will find that pin and that's where they start. And they'll start with cinder block or their brick and they'll, they'll get out a corner post 
and they'll set it in place and they'll make sure it's level and it's plumb and it's in the, it's in the right location and it's straight up and down. And then they'll mark the, the corner posts for where each row of brick needs to go. And they'll run a string line. And as they're running their brick, they'll, they'll run down the line of the house and they'll be you know, 30, 40 feet away and be able to run this brick. And then they'll go back to the corner post when they've done with, where they're done with that row and they'll, they'll raise that plumb line just a little bit and then they'll run that next row again. And isn't it interesting that we call Jesus the cornerstone? It's the same thing in our faith. You know, if we get off in our foundation, then when we start building the house, stuff gets jacked up. Because if I build a bad foundation, some of it may be, you may not be able to tell. You know, you may not be able to look at it with an eye. You may not be able to see that it's out of level or that it's in the wrong place. But when your framer comes and he starts throwing up those walls, he's going to say, hey, something's not working out right. This math ain't adding up. Or if you get all the way up to the roof and he's trying to tie in the roof with the wall sections. And it's like the house looks kind of square, but the roof is like, eh. <laughs> we got problems, right? It doesn't matter who you are in your life or where you are in your faith right now. We all have problems. We all have something going on. Our roof is a little jacked up in different areas of our life. I don't care who you are or what you've been through, how good we think that we can be. We've all got a little bit of something. But what's important is that we always know where it comes from. You see, if I have a problem in my roof, the problem stems from likely the foundation. And if I don't track it back to the foundation and fix it, then I'm just going to have a jacked up roof. Jesus is the cornerstone. Ephesians 2.20 says, having been built on the foundation of the... He's talking about the new church here. The new church in Jesus Christ. He says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom the whole building, the whole house being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. It's extremely important as Christians to structure our spiritual lives around these certain practices. Making sure that we have a strong relationship with God. These are spiritual disciplines. Pastor Penny talked about community and confession recently, right? Pastor Troy talked about generosity. Pastor Olin was here about studying. There are many others. There's, there's worship, there's prayer, there's fasting, there's um, confession. These are all spiritual disciplines that are active ways in which we try to live God's way. So that when the trials of life come, our faith is built on a firm foundation. Diana and I were in London uh, vacation recently, and I was, she had to work for a little bit, so I, I went off and went to the Imperial War Museum and got lost for about four hours and overwhelmed myself with information and uh, a little too much for one day. But I uh, did take a, one thing really stuck out uh, to me was a quote from a French general in June of 1918 uh, during World War I, and he says, the gusts strike all, he's speaking to his, his troops at this point, and he's saying the gusts, Strike all sides of the house, but the foundation holds and will hold. That is all that matters. So today I want to talk about a spiritual discipline that is worship. And I know what you're thinking. Why is this guy going to talk about worship? Because I'm a general contractor and I can't sing. And I can't play an instrument. Look, I did my best today. I wore black 
and I wore my tightest jeans I could find. I even bought a new pair of J's. <laughs> I'm doing my best to try to look the part of a worship leader, but why am I the one talking about worship? I'm not, I have never led worship. I'm not musically gifted or talented. Why in the world would Pastor Troy and Penny have me here today teaching on worship? And I'll tell you, it's because it's the, the biggest hurdle I had to cross when I went through this process of becoming born again in my relationship with Christ. I really struggled with worship. What's interesting about worship, though, that I've found in, in studying is that worship is threaded throughout all the other spiritual disciplines. It's there in every one of them. So what I've, I've come to find is that worship is, I think it's the most spiritual discipline because it's in everything else. When you pray, you're worshiping God. When you study his word, you're worshiping God. When you confess to a brother or sister, you're worshiping God. When you do these spiritual things, when you have any act that you have with Jesus, it's an act of worship. I think it's the most important one. And it's not just singing, because we kind of get it wrong. That's what I got wrong when we first came into the into Freedom Houses. I thought worship was just song and praise, and that was all it was about. It was the three songs during the, the service, and that's kind of what I want to get into today. I want to break down some of those walls that we have or some of those thoughts that we have about worship and realize that it's not just something that we do. It's, it's a way of life. The Westminster Catechism, this also came out of London. In the 1600s, it says that the purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So glorifying God is worshiping God. Can we all agree on that? Our purpose is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Worship is an expression of the presence of God, both corporately and personally. So today, joining here, coming to church, this is an act of worship. This can be an act of worship. Coming to church service on a Sunday morning and sitting beside a group of people in a church is an act of worship. Singing, obviously, song and praise is an act of worship. Serving, the ushers in here this morning, when they're ushing, they're, serve, they're worshiping God. Our liberty offering that we've been talking about in the past, um, the past few weeks, when we give, we can be in an act of worship. Rituals, we have spiritual rituals, so Easter's coming up, we'll be taking communion. That's an act of worship. We'll have baptisms there the week after that. Those will be acts of worship. And then personally, in our daily lives, what does that look like? It looks like prayer. When you pray to God, when you read, when you study the word in your own time, in your devotional, when you fast, when you take something away from your life to, to allow God to, to move in a way or speak to you in a new way, when you decrease so that he can increase, that is an act of worship. We all know how to worship. All of us. We know how to worship. But the problem is that the object of worship is what we get off on sometimes. The Bible says that the Lord created man to bring glory to God. We're created to bring glory to God. Isaiah 43, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I've formed and made. So this is everyone. Everyone who's called by everything that God has created is created for his glory. Worships in each of us. It's a natural thing. That's why this morning, no matter how much you don't want it to show, you get a feeling when you worship, right? You get a feeling. You get these goosebumps. You can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. on that. That's what that is, by the way, if you're unaware of what that is. And we can get it in church, but we can also get it out of church. Sometimes when we 
worship things like, you can see it on TV and sports games. Have you ever been to a sports event? In Western culture, we love it in football. We're here in the South. We love, we love our football. We love concert. You know, writing this, I thought back to the early 90s when um, I couldn't, my parents wouldn't get me the tape. So I would record Michael Jackson's live concerts through the TV onto my little boom box that I had. And I was probably recording over something else. Like you could record over stuff and uh, the quality was terrible. But I remember sitting in front of the TV and watching Michael Jackson in this live concert. And these girls, these teenage girls are falling over trying to kill each other to get to Michael Jackson. They were trying to touch him. They were falling out. Girls were crying. They had to have special security to catch these girls and pick them up. And this is, I was like, what in the world is going on with this? And then now today in our, in our sports culture, we do the same thing in football games or basketball games. I'm, I'm a huge Virginia Tech fan coming from Southwest Virginia. I love college football, and I love, I love the Hokies, and I love going to games, and I love being there. I've been able to take miles there now, and I love the experience. And if you don't know anything about Virginia Tech football, it's that it's the best part about the game nowadays because the football stinks, but the best part about the games is the entrance when the team comes out of the tunnel. There's a sense of uh, anticipation when you get in. Everybody goes into the, stand, into the stadium early before kickoff, way before, when the team is still warming up because you don't want to miss the entrance. And there's a moment where the cheerleaders come out on the field and they begin to do this. Uh, they begin to hold up cards and they do this cheer. They split the stadium in half and they begin on one side and they get a let's go and then a Hokies, and there's 70,000 people, you know, screaming at each other across the stand, let's go, Hokies, and everybody's doing it, young and old, they're all going nuts, and then you can see on the board at the end of the end zone, you can see they show the team, and all the guys are in the locker room, and they're about to walk out, they're walking out of the locker room, and they've all got their game faces on, no smiling, don't you smile. They all have their game face on. They're mean mugging. They're ready for war. But you can see them. We're still doing the champ. You can see them coming out. And then all of a sudden, when they get to the end of the tunnel, the, the PA system breaks out in Inner Sandman by Metallica, which is a song about the devil, <laughs> by the way. And the whole crowd, it starts with this big drum beat, right? And the whole crowd starts jumping. I don't care who you are. You may have never been there before. You don't know why you're doing it, but you just start jumping. Like, yeah, man, this is a thing. We're going to jump. Let's jump. And you look over, and there's a four-year-old on your left, and he's got a hot dog and a thing of Coca-Cola, and he's just like, and there's chips flying, and the Coke's spraying over everybody. And then you look to your right, and there's somebody's granddad, and he's going. He's like, yeah, I don't. And you're like, man, if he falls, he's going to get hurt. He's going to break a hip, but he's jumping. He's jumping, and the music, the, 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 uh, the beat picks up, and it's doo -doo 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 -doo, and then there's this moment where it's like, like, or like glass shatters, and boom, the players come running down the field, and everybody's, yeah, yeah, and you're grabbing the guy next to you, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I don't know you, but this is awesome. You're my best friend. I love you. High fives, everybody. And you look and the kids, stuff's all over the place and his dad's jeans are like covered in Coca-Cola and the, the grandfather's over here and he's been ready to fall out. But he's like, yeah, everybody's screaming. 
It's an exhilarating experience, you know, when you're in the moment. It's different than watching it on TV. And, you know, I would be that guy. I've been that guy. Sometimes I am that guy still, screaming and yelling. And then we would come into church on Sunday morning, and I would shove my hands in my pockets, and I would shut down. And I would say, this is weird. People lifting their hands. How weird is that? (laughs) This song sounds so feminine. What is up with that? And the way they're dressed, their jeans and their hair, and everybody's eyes are closed. They've got their hands up. Somebody's crying beside me. This is so weird. Why is this weird? And God took me on a journey over a few months and taught me, really opened my eyes to worship comes from God. That same experience in the football stadium, in the concert, was meant to be for him. It's a natural thing that everybody does because it's what you were created to do. But God has given us a choice on the object of worship. And we've chosen to get it wrong a lot of times. Now, I'm not saying going to the ball game is, is not fun. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to have a good time and scream and yell. Listen, I'll be the first one with a sore throat on Sunday morning coming back out of a game. But it should be the same in here as it is on Saturday night. Actually, it should be more because of the object that you're worshiping. You know, when I leave that game, I leave with a sore throat, and that's what I get. And I get a a two-and-a-half-hour drive back to Charlotte in the middle of the night. But when I worship God, I get an everlasting high. I get something that I can take with me till the end of my days that you can't take, you can't steal it, you can't remove it. It is mine, and I can carry it with me throughout my entire life. And some of you I know are in here, you're like, I don't, but man, I don't worship, I don't like football. I don't go to, I'm not a big music guy or girl. I don't feel like I really worship anything. Sometimes I feel like I'm pretty unemotional about everything. I'm just indifferent. Let me ask you three questions. This is kind of what I want to get into today. There's three areas of our life that I want to start by asking us three questions to kind of understand what worship is and how we can worship him. The first one is, what do you always have money for? Take a second and think about it. What do you always have money for? No ifs, ands, or buts. You don't have to pull up the app and check your your statement. You don't have to ask your wife. You don't have to call your parents and check in and see if it's okay. Like, what is it that you always have money for? No matter what. A good uh, message that I've heard a lot of times is, show me your bank statement and I'll show your your heart. Show me your bank. Open up your bank statement and I will show you your heart because it'll tell on you. Are you a consumer or are you an investor? Think about it that way. Because with money, if all you do is consume, 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 you're going to run out of it. Right? You can keep making it, but if you're just consuming as much as you make, you'll always be broke. You'll always be broke. But can you invest? Are you investing? Are you taking something and setting it aside to let it grow so that in the future you have a harvest to reap? And it's the same thing for us in church. Listen, as Christians, are we just coming in here this morning as consumers? Coming to the church, feed me, feed me, pastor. 
Give me a word. Give me some good worship. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me. Or are we investors in the church? What can I give you, God? What can I give you, pastor? How can I bless the church? How can I bless those that are around me? So that the day of my judgment, I have an eternal harvest that I can reap from. That I'm storing my treasures up in heaven. The second one is, what activity do you do when there is no, when you do it, there's no time, no time of consequence. When you're into something, you can just kind of lose it. Time has no meaning to you. And you're like, man, it's, you know, I just get sat down on Netflix and I'm, I'm watching and now it's six hours later and I'm, that's why they have that autoplay thing, you know, it just takes what, 12 seconds and they just roll on the next one. What about your work? You sit down at work or maybe it's your side hustle or whatever it is that you're doing in the marketplace. If you just get lost and you're like, man, it's, at, it's the end of the day and I just totally lost all try. I didn't even get up and go to the bathroom today. I've been sitting here for eight hours straight. Is it at the gym? Is it at a ball game? Your calendar will tell on you. How are you spending your time? The same way your bank statement will tell on you, your calendar will tell on you. How are you using your time? The third one is what are you focused on? So you, Matt, think about it like this. There's only so much real estate up here. What owns the most real estate? What takes up the most of your thoughts? What's always on your mind? Or think about it like this, if you lost it, what is it in your life that if you lost it, you would die? You would just fall on the floor and melt and you would not be able to exist. That one thing, that one person, that one, that one thing that if you lost it, you would die. We all choose to worship something, right? We all have an object of worship, but we were created to worship God. We were created to glorify God. It's our purpose. Romans 12, 1, Paul is talking to us about this and um, he starts off the verse with therefore. And if you've been here at any, any amount of time at Freedom House, when you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to check and see what it's there for. So Paul, the first 11 chapters of Romans, Paul is just telling us like, hey, this is, man, God is so good. This is what God's done for us in Jesus Christ. And he's telling the Gentiles, he's telling everybody who didn't, maybe you don't know God, maybe you don't know Jesus, but I'm just telling you, here's what he's done for us. And here's what you are in Jesus Christ. You can be a new creation and he just goes on and on and on. And then in chapter 12, he says, all right, knowing all of that, therefore. So because of all of that, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say living. living. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Another interpretation says this is your reasonable Service. So worship is our, Paul's saying, hey, listen, because of all of this that God did, all of these great things through sending his son to die for you, this is how we should respond. And if you believe in all that God has done for you, if you realize, if you really knew Jesus Christ, if you had been blinded like I had and traveled down this road and had your eyes reawakened, then you would understand that this is a reasonable response to live my life and glorify him to everything that I am and everything that I do. I'm going to worship him because that's the reasonable response. I struggled with worship early on because I thought that I had control of everything that was good going on in my life. I thought that everything that had happened to me that was good was on me, right? It was on me. It was because I 
was financially conservative. I'd saved my money. I wasn't in a lot of credit card debt. I hadn't done, I didn't buy a new car. I kind of drove a beater around forever. When I met Diana, I felt like that was all me. Like I chose her. I found her. Still the greatest thing I've ever done, mind you. But I thought it was all me. I charmed her. I willed her. You know, I convinced her. I tricked her in a way. Gotcha. <laughs> she, <laughs> I thought, I, you know, the job when we got out of college and we moved to Charlotte, the job that I had, I was like, that's me. You know, I presented myself well in that interview. Who would not hire me? Come on. That's all me. Like, if you're not going to hire me, then that's on you because you should hire me. Right? All of us think that. My house, our house, I was like, that's me, God. I found it. Like, I made the means for us to get it. I worked with the bank. We found the real estate agent. All me. So if there was any reasonable service to anyone, I should give it to myself, right? I'm going to buy a new truck because I'm doing pretty good, right? I'm going to get a new pair of Jordans because I'm doing all right. I'm making it in this world. But Paul says to offer your bodies. He says to give it up as a living sacrifice. That means understands for us to understand there's death to independent living. We have to submit everything to God. Everything comes from him. If he allowed us to just do it all, we would totally wreck ourselves. He says to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, intentionally dying while you're still alive. Now, he uses this word living because he's talking to the Gentiles, but he's also talking to some of the Jewish culture. In Old Testament, the Jews brought the sacrifice to the Lord and they would kill it. They would bring an animal as a, as a dove or a, or a lamb. They would bring it to the priest and they would kill it and then put it on the altar dead. And Paul is saying, no longer are we doing that. No longer do you bring a dead sacrifice to the Lord, but you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So that means when you go to God, you are a living, breathing, walking, talking sacrifice for God. And you offer yourself up on a daily basis. And yeah, you're going to get it wrong sometimes, but you continually and repeatedly offer yourself up to God. But what does it look like to be a living sacrifice? What does that even mean? Let's go back to those three questions. Money, time, and focus. There's a lot of other ways that we can worship God, but those are the three I want to hone in on today. Money means that I am sacrificing financially. Am I sacrificing financially? Or is money an idol to me? Listen, biblical, sacrifice, biblical giving requires sacrifice. Tithing, I'm sorry, but tithing is not a sacrifice. It's just being obedient. It's just being obedient to his law. That's the same thing as saying, you know, I, I sacrificed because I didn't kill anybody today. No, you're just being obedi obedient to the word, do not murder. I know you want to kill somebody. You want to kill a couple people maybe. But it's not a sacrifice to God to not, to not murder somebody. Is my financial offering holy? You know, this goes back to Cain and Abel. Is it blemish free? Is it the first and the best? Cain gave some, Abel gave First and best. God wants you to give with a, 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 be a cheerful giver. Is, it, is my offering pleasing to God? 
2 Corinthians 9 says he wants you to be a cheerful giver. Are you giving to God with a, with a cheerful heart saying, God, I know this came from you. I'm returning it to you because I know you're going to bless the rest and I am sacrificing myself. Or are you like Pastor Troy last week? Are you standing there with your hands squeezed so tight, gripping it? Like, God, why do you just want my money? Why is that all you ever want? Why do you talk about it so much? Why do I have to give back to the church? If you can make a way without it, why do I have to give it? Is it pleasing to God? The second one is time. Does God give in, get any of my time outside of Sunday morning? Is today the only time you'll spend with God this week? Are there times where you don't take God with you? Are there places that you go? Do you take God to work with you? Does he go to the gym with you? Is he in the locker room with you? Do you take him to the brewery on Thursday night? Do you take him to your girlfriend's house or your boyfriend's house? Is God in there with you guys? Is there time set apart for God? Am I being intentional about making time that is holy and precious to God to spend in his presence? Remember, check your calendar because it will tell on you. Is God pleased with how I spend my time? Are we just aimlessly walking about in this world like, well, I'm just a, I'm just a brick mason and I'm just going to show up nine to five and do my thing and then I'll retire at whatever, 63, 65, and then I'll, I'll relax for the rest of my life and move to Florida. Are you just aimlessly walking around or are you using your time here understanding that it is a precious commodity that God has given you to impact the kingdom of heaven? And lastly, what about Focus. What comes to your mind controls your life. What's on your mind? Check your conversation. You know, what do you talk about the most? Because we all talk about what excites us in conversation the most, right? After you get through the pleasantries of, hey, my name is Matt, you know, the weather, well, it's about to rain outside. Then, then you get into the meat of what excites you. Man, I'm about to, you know, we just did this. We're about to go on vacation. I just got these I just got this new toy. You want to come over and check it out? Like, what excites you? Is God there in your focus? Do you talk to others about God, what he's done in your life? I'm, all of you have a testimony in here today, each and every single one of you. And I'm here to tell you that it is not yours to keep. God has done things in your life for you to share them. To Some of you have books that you need to write. Some of you have songs that you need to write. Some of you have just this amazing story that needs to be told to other people to bring glory to God. It's not yours to keep. My relationship with God is my number one focus. That should be all of us as a Christian. Your number one relationship is with God. Because if you get that relationship right, then all of the others will be fine. All of the others will work themselves out. But it's our choice. It's our choice to act on it. It's our choice to return the tithe back to the storehouse. It's our choice to, to spend time with God. It's our choice to bring him into our apartment with our girlfriend. It's our choice to take him into our workplace, into the corporate office, into the board meeting. It's our choice to serve him with our gifts and talents. It's our choice to show up here early and serve and then leave late and break down. It's our choice to, to give back to God with a cheerful heart. It's our choice to do all of us. He gives us a choice.
Because we are a living sacrifice. And if I continually choose God, if I can continually go back to God saying, Lord, I profess your name and I give it all back. I'm giving you my mind. I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my focus. I'm giving you my whole life, God. And I'm laying it down so that it is an automatic response when the storms come and hit my house. So that when I have a, a storm that weathers the sides of my house, my foundation is firm. It doesn't depend on what's going on in my life, if it's good or not. Because honestly, if it's good or not, how often would we worship? How many of you would have came in here this morning and worshiped if you felt like you should worship? If you were emotionally stable enough to worship? If things were good enough for you to worship? Because truth is, most times they're not good enough. Most of the time, all of us are dealing with something. No matter what we put up on Instagram and how good things look, we all have stuff going on in our lives that makes us feel like I am not able to worship. I don't want to worship. I don't want to show up here this morning, God. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to come in here. I don't want to ask somebody to pray for me. I don't want them to know my business. I don't want them to know that I don't have it together. I don't want to, I don't want to lift my hands. I really don't want to. I don't want to, God. I don't want to have to profess your name. I don't want to have to have a hard conversation. I don't want to have people get all up in my business and ask me what I'm doing. I don't want to. Honestly, I don't want to. But if he's in your heart, if you are a living sacrifice, it will be an automatic response out of everything that you do. It's not based on emotions, guys. We choose to truly worship God. And when we do, it transforms our life. That's when you can get around the emotions. Is when you're truly worshiping. It transforms us in our workplace. You know, it no longer becomes work. It becomes a mission field. You know, my time transforms into this very intentional and purposeful thing in my calendar. My focus shifts from being worried all the time to being a worshiper all the time. I'm no longer thinking about the worries in my head, but I'm meditating on his word and who he is in my life. And from a money standpoint, I, I transfer from this consumer to this investor. At work, I'm no longer the worker bee. I'm the worshiper. I, don't, I no longer worry, but I, I'm, a war, I'm not a worrier, but I'm a warrior. The difference is the why. You know, the transformation, you can see it, in the, and the transformation is in the why. Am I doing it for the glory of God? Because when you do, you'll be able to see it in everything that you do. It's not an act. Worship is not an act. It, is, it can be something that you do. It can be an act of praise, but that's not all that it is. It's not an act that we do. It is a way of life. It is a way of life that you have threaded through everything, everything in your being. And it's not just a Sunday morning, it's a Sunday through a Sunday, man. It's nonstop, around the clock. And it's both internal and it's external. Listen, I love Diana. I love her with all of my heart, and God knows that. And I know that inside of here, but if I never tell her, how will she know? If I never tell her I love her, if I never, if I never put my arm around her, if I never hold her hand, if I never write her a sweet note, if I never call her or text her, if I never intentionally spend time with her, if I'm always gone, how will she know that she loves me? It's internal and external. And we have to get that heart posture, guys. So you can't just say, God knows my heart. He knows my heart. And then come in here and just shove your hands in your pockets and stomp your feet and just be bitter and shut off to God and have this wall up. That's not who you were called to be. You were called to worship him both in your heart and externally. People are watching you, Christians. 
men and women of God, the world is watching you and they're watching you how you worship God. And they're not only watching you when things are good, but they're really watching you when times are bad. They really want to know how you're going to respond when times are tough. They're really going to know how you respond. They want to know they're watching. What are the Christians going to do? What's the church going to do? What are they going to do? Somebody fall, a big name pastor just fell and had a moral failure. What's the church going to do? What's the church going to do? COVID's taking over everything. The government says we got to shut the doors of church. What's the church going to do? They're trying to tell our kids that they can be whatever they want to be. And don't tell mom or dad. You can just come and tell us because this is a safe space. What's the church going to do? What are we going to do, guys? They're watching us. And you're worse. They want you to see you worship. And that's all God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to have an answer. He doesn't say, I want you to go and start punching people in the throat. He says, I want you to worship. I want you to go in there and I want you to worship me and glorify me in everything that you do. So that's what I want to do today, guys. What a perfect opportunity to wrap up this service in a, in a series on foundational principles and speaking on worship if we would worship as the church today. And if we would just go after God. If you would just lay down your life more than you've ever laid down for him and chase him right now more than you ever had, how awesome would that be? Because right now, he wants to give you a fresh awakening. Right now, he wants to be closer to you than he's ever been in your life. Right now, he wants to heal you. Right now, he wants to tell you who he is. He wants to remind you. Right now. Church, will you stand with me? Because we're going to worship right now. All across this room, if you need a fresh touch from God, would you just lift your hands, church? Right now. Maybe you've never lifted your hands in church before. I'll just encourage you right now. Just lift your hands. God is doing close your eyes. We just submit to your Father in heaven for just a moment and glorify Him. He is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something right now, right now. He is saving someone. God is saving someone. God is doing something right now, right now. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now, right now. He is moving mountains, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now, right now. Jesus, breakthrough will come, come 
here today and you feel like your life kind of disqualifies you to worship. You don't know what I've done, Matt. You don't know where I've come from or what I'm dealing with in my head. Maybe you don't feel worthy. And I'm here to affirm that today, unfortunately, that you aren't worthy. You on your own are not worthy to worship our God. It's because of the gift of Jesus Christ that you are able to storm the gates of hell and you are able to run to the, the gates of heaven with praise and worship confidently knowing who your God is through your Savior in Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. And if you've gotten off in your life, if maybe there's some foundational stuff, your roof's a little jacked up, I want to tell you to come back to the cornerstone this morning. Maybe you've never acknowledged Him as your Lord and Savior. You've never prayed that prayer. You've never said, Jesus, you are my Lord. And I believe in my heart and I will profess with my mouth that you were sent by the creator of the heavens and earth to save me, to bear my sin, to be beaten and ridiculed and spit on and hung up on a cross, to be humiliated, only to die, but to be risen from the dead, to walk amongst men, to be filled in billions of people across this earth through his Holy Spirit. If that's you today, I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to lift up both hands. I want you to say, I want you to call out the name of your Savior. Say, hear me, Jesus. If that's you for the first time, if you've never prayed a prayer of salvation, if you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior with your hands lifted high, I want to say a prayer with you today. And church, I want you to pray this with me. Would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, I worship you. I acknowledge you as the creator of the heavens and earth. I believe that you formed me, that you made me to bring your name glory, and that you made me worthy through your son, Jesus Christ who died for my sins. I repent today, Father. Make me worthy. I will worship you today and every day of my life. Come on, church, stretch up your hands. Join them, church, everybody, all across the room. Just lift your hands. Just begin to worship them right where you are, in your own way. This altar's open. If any of you prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd encourage you to come up and worship Jesus for the very first time as a new creation. If any of you are struggling in your life with worship, if you've doubted your worship, if you don't think you're worthy enough to worship, I'd encourage you to come up here this morning. If you put a wall up around God saying, you're not, you're not reachable to me, Father, you're not touchable, I encourage you to come up here this morning and just lift your hands and praise and worship Him, Father. We thank you, Lord. Come on, church, just worship him this morning. Breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. Oh, my hope.